0: All right, if you have your Bibles
1: with you, hold them up and stand up with me, would you? Just for a couple of minutes. And now I want you to do something. Go in your Bibles, go to Hebrews and take a right. Hebrews is the easiest book in the New Testament after the Gospels to find. Go to through James, then to 1 Peter. If you don't have your Bible in church, next time bring it to church. Your Bible loves to be in church. Amen? Amen. Now, 1 Peter 4. Turn to 1 Peter 4. Now, I want you to find it because I want you to read it. Because this Wednesday night we're starting a brief three-week series on living for God. Anybody in here want to live for God? You want to live for God? All right, we're going to look at how suffering works for the glory of God. We're going to look at how to keep your testimony alive in a corrupt generation. How your faith is strengthened. First Peter chapter 4 is powerful stuff. So you're looking at it. Now, if you're wondering, what can I read in the Bible this week? Go to First Peter 4 and read it every day. Read it through and let it talk to you. And let's see if the Lord tells you what he's telling me about First Peter 4. Amen? Now, that has nothing to do with what I'm about to talk about. I just wanted you to get warmed up. Now, have you ever wondered what you were saved for? Let me ask you this. When you hear the word saved, do you think, well, I was saved to go to heaven? Now, now you're like the first service. They had the no nods. I couldn't get, now here's, it's either this or this. When you hear saved, do you think about going to heaven? Now, how many of you have been trained to think that being saved was basically to get you to heaven? And you don't know and understand a whole lot about what he's got for you right here, right now, in the now, in this life. I'm going to share with you something today that is the will of God for you. Now, it's good works. And let's read what the Bible says in Ephesians two ten, It's showing us what the will of God is. How many of you believe the blood of Jesus has washed you of all your sin? How many of you believe you've been born again by the power of God? Let me see. All right, watch this now. This is talking to you. Those of you that have been born again, born from above, he says, you are God's handiwork. He's working on you. That doesn't mean you were. You are ongoingly the handiwork of God. You're on the potter's wheel, and he's fashioning you every day. You are his craftsmanship. You are his work. Now, you were created in Christ Jesus, To do something. What does it say? God created you to do good works. Wow, now wait a minute. That's telling me something about the will of God for my life, and I don't even have to pray about it. Now, here's a mind blower God prepared those good works for you in advance. So when you got saved, He knew you were coming all the time. Heaven didn't say, can you believe they got saved? Even them? Nobody in heaven said that. God didn't say that. He knew you were coming all the time. And you know what? He had something prepared for you so that when you, when your hour arrived to come to Him, He had a purpose for you. Already planned. That's where destiny comes in. That's where purpose comes in. That blows evolution out of the water because you were not fearfully and wonderfully evolved. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. And God had works prepared for you in advance. We're going to talk about today. Lord, thank you for your blessing today. And I pray in Jesus' name that you will speak to us, open our eyes, open our understanding so that we can flow in what God has called us to do. In Jesus name, amen. Thank you. You can be seated. God bless you. It's good to see all of you in church today and let me let me just talk about this thing of good works. I don't know about you, but when I got saved, I was 16 years old and when I had an incredible experience with the Holy Spirit when I was 18 years old that radically revolutionized my life, not that salvation didn't. It was like God added a cherry on top of the Sunday and it really rocked my world when I had this experience with the holy spirit and i realized how real jesus was and how near jesus was how close jesus was and i immediately began to hear the drum beat you're not saved by your good works you're saved by grace you're not saved by your own works you can't earn it you can't conjure it you can't con your way in talk your way in work your way in smile your way in you and I cannot save ourselves. Now that's a bedrock teaching, and it was Paul's constant song, his constant message. Saved by grace, that's a given. Better to try grabbing the moon than be saved by your own good works. It's not going to happen. Jesus warned us about the deception of good works. He said, I want you you be careful? Because you can be involved in good works and still be lost. He said, many will say to me on judgment day, Lord, Lord, haven't we prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name? Haven't we done many wonderful things in your name? Haven't we been out there, Lord, doing all kinds of good works? And then I will declare to them, says Jesus, depart from me, I never knew you. So they were doing good works without ever having known Jesus. And that's possible. And that's one of the dangers of good works. You can get out there and you can feed the sick. You can give money to the poor. You can do many wonderful things. But if you don't know the Lord personally, those good works cannot, will not save you. Only one work can save you and I. And that's the completed finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. He's the only one who did the work that needed to be done to get us saved. He was sacrificed once for all, died on the cross, rose from the dead so that we could be saved. That's the only work, the finished work of Jesus. And when you put your faith in that, that's what saves. So I'm leaning on him. I'm not leaning on my own works. But we've got to be careful at the same time now that we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And we don't throw good works out the window and say, Well, since I'm saved by grace and not by good works, they're not that important. Because good works are extremely important. As a matter of fact, what we're about to see is God didn't save you by good works, but He saved you for good works. Now, I'm going to say that again, and I want it to sink into us today. I wasn't saved by my good works. I was living in sin. But I was saved for good works. I was saved to be involved in good works. I was saved... ...to operate in, give my energy to, and obey God in doing good works. Good works don't save, but they should follow our salvation. James said, you say you've got faith without works? Show it to me. I'll show you my faith by my good works. So real Bible faith. When you have Bible faith and you put your faith in Jesus Christ, then that faith will move you to involve yourself in good works... Every single time. So it matters then, what is a good work? You say, well, we're supposed to be involved in good works. What is a good work? A good work is this. A good work is whatever we do in obedience to God's will. A good work is whatever we do in obedience to God's will. Let me take it a step further. A good work is a work of compassion done in Jesus' name. To accomplish his purpose in the earth. You know, you can do a good work in your own name. We see Hollywood people do it all the time. Isn't it funny? When they go adopt a child from overseas or they give a whole bunch of money out of all their millions to some cause, they always make sure you know they did it. You know why? Because they did it in their name. Jesus said, Lap it up because you just got your reward. You're not getting one from me. A good work is not just going and doing a good work in your name. No, a good work is a work of compassion done in Jesus' name, pointing up to God to accomplish His work in the earth. You know, Jesus talked about feeding the hungry and visiting the sick, going and seeing the imprisoned, clothing the naked, and so on and so forth. He talked about practical acts of compassion that we go and do in Jesus' name, that let the world know that Jesus loves them. Because you see, here today, we've worshipped God, we've enjoyed His presence. When, when someone becomes born again, comes to Christ, and their nature is changed, and they receive the Holy Spirit to live inside of them, it says the love of God is poured out in their hearts by the Holy Ghost that is given unto them. So a child of God immediately experiences this sense of the overwhelming love of God. But that world out there doesn't see the love of God. What do they see? They see practical acts of compassion done in Jesus' name, and it makes them go, oh, well, then God loves me. They understand what they can see. So a good work is a work of compassion done in Jesus' name in the eyes of a lost and dying world that says to that world, God is real, and God really does love you. According to Ephesians 2, verse 10, that we just read, everybody who is faithful to Jesus Christ, every child of His is going to walk in good works. I was amazed when I started getting ready for this message how often that phrase, good works, is found in the New Testament. I was really surprised. And I've read the Bible all my life. Good works are the evidence of a transformed life. And the Bible has a whole lot to say about Good works. Let me just give you a few examples. The Bible says, first of all, that good works are visible. They are visible. 1 Timothy 5, 25. In the same way, good works are obvious, wrote Paul. Good works are obvious. And even those that are not obvious cannot remain hidden forever. Even if you do a good work behind the scenes, it's coming out sooner or later. So... They are visible. They're obvious. When you do a good work, and they're supposed to be obvious. Now, they are visible first to people. Jesus said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to let your light shine because you're the light of the world. He said, I want you to do this. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good works. I want them to see your good works. I want them to see what you're doing in the name of Jesus as a good work to the glory of God. I want it to be obvious. He said, when you do a good work in my name in front of a lost and dying world, acts of compassion, feeding the sick, whatever it is that you do, he said, they're going to look up and they're going to glorify your Father who is in heaven. So there is power in doing a good work. People see it and they go, wow, look at that. That's not something that lost people. That's not something worldly people do. They're doing it in the name of Jesus. And Jesus said, They will look up and they will glorify your Father who is in heaven. Peter wrote, Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good works and glorify God on the day He visits us. Not only are good works visible to people, but do you know that they are visible to God? Did you know that good works are very carefully watched and measured and rewarded by God? Jesus said, when you fast, when you pray, when you give, when you do good works, do it as unto the Father and not unto men. And then it says, your Father who sees what is done will reward you openly. So when you do a good work in the name of Jesus, get out there with acts of compassion. And you reach out and touch somebody in his name. Do something practical for them in the name of the Lord. An act of compassion. Your Father sees it, and a blessing comes on your life. I don't know about you, but I want every blessing I can lay hold of. Anybody in here want to be blessed? And he says it's going to be such a blessing, he says he will reward you openly. That is, people will see the blessing of God on your life. It will be obvious. When you do an obvious good work, as unto the Father and not unto men, God blesses you back with an obvious, open blessing. Did you know the Bible says that as Christians, we're to be zealous for good works? Zealous means fervent, burning with desire. We are to be zealous for good works. Paul wrote to Titus and said that Jesus Christ gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Why did God redeem us? Not just to get us to heaven. He redeemed us so that we would be filled with burning desire, with such transformed lives, that we would do good works of compassion out there in Jesus' name with great zeal. I love zeal. It's good to be zealous in a good thing. I love zeal. It makes life worth living. I love waking up and going, man, it's going to be a great day. I'm excited about what God's going to do. I'm excited about what God is doing in my life. I'm excited about ministering to people in the name of the Lord. I've got zeal. I've got, I'm burning on the inside. I'm on fire on the inside. You know what I'm doing right now? I'm fanning the flame that's already in you. I've got some bellows up here, and I'm fanning the flame that's already in you. <laughs> with the Word of God because we're to be lit on fire zealous for good works as a matter of fact you know the word addiction is only used one time in the New Testament the word addiction it has to do with this it says, they're talking about a household of Stephanas and it says they have addicted themselves to ministering to other people zealous for good works not only are we supposed to be zealous, we're supposed to stir up good works in others. And that's why I'm up here today. I'm fanning the flame. I'm stirring you up. I'm letting you know that life is more than getting up, taking a shower, eating a bowl of Wheaties, watching Good Morning America, getting in rush hour traffic, going through the same old grind, doing what you've got to do to pay the bills, coming home, I owe it, I owe so it's off to work I go. Listen, life is more than that. Life is living for God. Life is full of zeal. <clears throat> Hebrews 10, 24 says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and to good works. I want to motivate you to good works. I want to fan the flame. I want to get you out there where you're taking Jesus into your workplace. You're taking, Listen, you're not supposed to have work over here and church over here. And never do the twain meet. No. Work is here, church is here, God is here in every area of your life. Amen. The Bible encourages us that we involve, involve ourselves in good works, it is not in vain. And I think this is where a lot of people lose the joy and lose the fire. Because they say, you know, I did good works and nobody thanked me and nobody blessed me and nobody, you know, gave anything back to me and it was not reciprocal and I kind of got burned out on it. Let me tell you something. Long ago in the ministry, I started preaching when I was 18. And I am 15 now. And I've been preaching a long time. But you know what? I've learned. I don't do what I do for people. I love people. And I love you. I really do. I pray for you all the time. But I don't do this solely for you. No, I play for an audience of one. He's the one that's going to reward me. He's the one that's going to come back and get me. My reward is with God. So it says, Be always abounding in the work of the Lord, and let all that you do be done in the name of the Lord, and as unto the Lord, and not unto men. For it is from the Lord we shall receive the reward of our inheritance. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, My beloved brethren, I want you to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding, superabounding, always involved in the good work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. You're not on a hamster's wheel leading nowhere. There is going to be a reward. You're going somewhere. God will never burn you, never leave you shortchanged. He will never sell you out. He will never leave you high and dry. Christians are to be ready for good works. Titus 3.1, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey and to be ready for every good work. When it comes along, I want you to be ready for every opportunity, redeeming the time, making the most out of every opportunity. For the time is short and night comes when no man can work. The Bible tells us that we're to learn to maintain good works. That means once you start them, you don't stop them. You learn to maintain good works. Again, Paul wrote to Titus. This is a faithful saying, he said, and these things I want you to affirm constantly. He said, Paul is saying, Titus, I want this to be a broken record, a skipping record. I want you to repeat it over and over again to the people this, that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. James talked about good works perfect the faith that God has put into us. Your faith will always remain at a certain level until you involve yourself in some kind of a good work that reaches out and does practical acts of compassion in the name of Jesus to further his work in this world and give glory to him. Titus 3.14, and let our people also learn to maintain good works to meet urgent needs that they may not be unfruitful. Urgent needs. Already I was handed something a little while ago that our young people have put in 20 hours this week. And we're going to see a video of them in just a little bit. But they put in 20 hours this week meeting urgent needs, feeding the homeless, feeding the hungry, doing things that that no human can thank you for or give back to you, but God will. Good works, because good works perfect your faith. They, they round out your faith and bring it into maturity. Now, I got to thinking, when God redeemed us, He didn't just take your soul and say, okay, now the soul is going to heaven. But He wanted to redeem every area of our life He wanted every area of our life to be involved in the transformation that he brings. Because before you were saved, every area of your life was tainted and darkened and corrupted by sin. And God wants to redeem every bit of it. Let me talk to you for a minute about the way we were. Paul said, once you were dead. Once you were dead. Because of your disobedience and your many sins. You know what we were, church? We were dead men, dead women walking. Well, Pastor Jeff, that's kind of weird. Listen carefully to me. We were all born unplugged from the life of God. David said, born in sin, shaped in iniquity. It's not that every bit of us was bad or that we were like consummately evil creatures, but we were fallen. Adam and Eve fell. And that fall was visited on the whole human race, like it or not, fair or not. The whole fall was visited on the whole human race. We were all touched so that when we were born, Jesus said, that first birth you're going to do it. You're going to have to be born twice. Because the first birth, you were born in sin. You were born with a fallen nature. We were born unplugged. So even though our hearts were beating, our eyes were seeing, we changed change tires, work, have kids, have families, live and die, our inner man was dead the inner man was dead unplugged that's what happened when man sinned the inner man was unplugged but when you got saved God it's just like he took a plug and a lamp is there that's never been lit and he plugged it in and that bulb lit up and for the first time life and power and love from God flowed through you it won't get there by hugging a tree It won't get there by any other way. Jesus came to plug us back into life. But until that happened, this is the way we were. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world. You were obeying the devil. You didn't know it, but you were. The commander of the powers in the unseen world. He's the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Every person out there who has heard the gospel and does not obey God, has gone their own way, have a spirit working in their heart. It's the spirit of the enemy. It's the spirit of the devil. That's what the Bible says. He is the spirit that works in the hearts of those who don't obey God. All of us used to live that way. That's the way we were, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. We lusted, we feared, we were greedy, we envied, we were jealous, we hated, we despised, we held grudges. Our hearts were sinful. We went through the motions of sin on that hamster's wheel, leading nowhere, living in futility. Until amazing grace. How sweet. I like what Chuck Swindoll said. He said, grace is more than a blue-eyed blonde. I like that. I don't know why I like it. I just do. It kind of makes you stop and think about it. But amazing grace came. We were walking through the motions of sin, living in sin. And then one day, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. It saved a wretch like me. I once was lost and now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. He opened my eyes and he plugged me into the life of God. But until that happened, until it happened, listen closely, church. Our lifestyle was characterized by works that were not good. They're called works of darkness. Listen to Ephesians 5.11. Now that you're saved, he says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. You've been redeemed, but rather expose them. In Romans 13.12, he says, the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of of darkness and let us put on the armor of light the bible tells us that our works of darkness alienated us from god and you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works yet now has he reconciled and when he reconciled us he redeemed us and he wants to redeem everything in our life including our works What you do with your energy, your time, and your decisions. So one of the marks of a redeemed, saved, born again, blood-bought child of God is renunciation of the works of darkness and involvement in good works that bring glory and honor to God. Did you know that part of your genetic code now is to do good works? Listen to what it says about Jesus. He went about everywhere doing good, doing good works, and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Now this one who only went about doing good lives in you now. He lives in you now. So you say, well, you know what? I still do drugs and I still drink and I do what I do because my daddy did, my granddaddy did, and it's in my genetics, it's in my family. Can I just blow that out of the water today? You've got a brand new genetic code. You've got a brand new daddy. And you're brand new. I'm going to preach sometime a message called, Who's Your Daddy? Because I want you to know your daddy is Father God, where we look up and say, Abba, Father. And because your daddy is Father God, you've got a brand new genetic code, and that genetic code, that DNA, is Jesus' DNA, and it is for you to go do good works because that's what he did, and he's living in you. I'm about to preach a little bit today. Just about to. I'm feeling warm. Paul's stunning statement. (laughs) I probably will. Paul's stunning statement is that every born again child of God has been created. Created in Christ Jesus. Now, let me just get this into your spirit. Created in Christ Jesus. Pluck that word, created. It's the same word the Bible uses to describe the creation of the world. You were created. What does that mean? God brought something out of nothing. He created something brand new. The Bible says if anybody is in Christ, he is a new creation. That means your nature is not a revamped nature. It's not a renovated nature. It's not a made-over nature. It is a brand-new creation. Act of God, miracle, creation, where God has lifed you, has changed you, has transformed you, and created something brand new inside of you. Man, if only the real truths of Christianity would hit us like they need to. This is not a New Year's resolution. This is not a rehabilitation program. This is not a self-improvement program. I am not talking about motivational speaking you can do. I'm telling you that when you come to Jesus Christ, He creates inside of you a brand new, never-before-existing nature. One commentator writes this, When a person comes to Christ... There is a change produced in their heart that is equivalent to the act of creation that bears a strong resemblance to God creating the universe. A change as if the person was totally made over again and has become new. He is a new man. He has new views. He has new motives. He has new principles. He has new objects. And he has new plans for his life. He seeks new purposes and he lives for new ends. There is a change so deep, so clear, so entire, and so abiding that it is proper to say, here is a new creation of God. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm new. Now turn to the other and say, I'm brand new. And one of the things that God completely transforms is our works. We are translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of God's dear Son, from works of darkness to the good works of righteousness and light. And you know what? God has equipped you to do those good works. Let me give you a statement. I want you to never forget this. God has not only prepared good works for you, but he's prepared you for the good works. Well, you know, Pastor Jeff, I just don't feel... Very gifted, very spiritual. I'm just kind of, you know, a regular kind of guy or gal. I don't feel like I can go do anything to the glory of God. Listen, let God be true and every man a liar. The Word of God says He's equipped you. Let me read it to you. He's equipped you to do what He's called you to do. Now may the God of peace, who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with His blood, may He equip you with all you need for doing His will. Can you say with me? I'm equipped. Now say it like you mean it. Preach it to me. I'm equipped for good works. He planned ahead of time for me to do. Give Him a hand of praise. I know it's true. I was talking to a young lady recently who's in this room, and I would never tell you who she was, but she was saying, I'm struggling with belief in God. How do you know he's there? And I took off my watch, and I said, what would would you say if I told you that I found this in the dirt, and apparently it just came out of the dirt? Or what if I told you this? A tornado went through a junkyard full of metal. And of all the things it tore up and threw around, this came out. And she said, oh, no, no, no. That's designed. I said, no, 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 come on. It just came to be. It had a lot of time, trillions of years. And eventually this watch, ticking, keeping time, keeping a date, on time, just evolved. Well, you know that couldn't be because it's designed. I said, really? It's designed? How do you know that? Well, obviously, it's, it's got a purpose. That's right. It's not only designed, but it has a purpose to keep time. And what I said was, You insist that this couldn't be a mistake. Couldn't be happenstance. Couldn't have evolved over time and chance. This couldn't have just happened. But somebody had to make it, and they had to make it for a purpose. And, of course, she knew I had her. It was easy. And and she'd admit it. And she began to tear up. Because, folks, to say that you... Who are fearfully and wonderfully and incredibly made. You make this watch look like kindergarten playtime. You. And that you would say that you just evolved over time and chance. That takes away all your purpose, all your meaning, all your destiny. It leaves you just a happenstance speck of dust moving through an incidental universe. That is not what happened. You were not fearfully and wonderfully evolved. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. Now watch. And so if this has a purpose, so do you. And the designer equipped it to do what it was called to do. Tell me I need to move along. It doesn't matter if you feel equipped, you are. There's not another person like you. You can do what no one else can do. You can make the impact nobody else can make. If you don't do it, no one's gonna do it. You're unique, special, custom designed, made for a purpose. He's prepared you, readied you, mended you to the place of usefulness, and he's fitted you for good works. Done in the name of Jesus, in compassion, for the glory of God to further his work. Now, having said that, you see that handout in your chair. Please don't get up and leave because I want to explain this to you because this matters to you and to me because our church is going to go up a level and we're going to grow in faith and we're going to grow in influence. You notice this in your chair is for volunteerism. And we have 10, oh, I'm holding the bulletin. We have 10 areas where, here's what we're going to ask. We're going to ask you, we're going to, this is simply giving you something you can put a handle on and you can do. When I got saved, the first thing I did is I got involved in the work of the Lord. And getting involved in the work of the Lord, I discovered my calling. This is a volunteer application. We have gone into Burleson. We're just starting with Burleson, but you can go anywhere you want to. We've gone into Burleson. This this church is in Fort Worth, but we went into Burleson. We met with the mayor, sat down with the mayor, and said, we just want to bless Burleson. And he knew, he thought, well, they've got an angle. They're going to ask for money here in a minute. I know what's coming. But we met with this mayor, and um, we didn't ask for anything except ideas of where we could go in the name of Jesus, Out of compassion, to do a good work, to bring glory to God. And he gave us 10 places, and here's what you do. If you're interested in just giving an hour, what we want to do this month is we want to give 200 hours from this church, a good work, acts of compassion in the community. Here's my desire. That if our church disappeared today, the community around us, would miss us. I don't want to just do our thing behind four walls and no one knows what's going on. I want to get out there in the name of Jesus and do a good work and bless them in the name of the Lord. I was talking with a pastor recently who last month, his church renovated 29 homes of elderly people and disabled people and people that really couldn't help themselves and it was like reality TV. They, they took them out, put them in a hotel, came in renovated the home, and then brought them in to see their brand new renovated home. And it was, oh, you know, crying and, oh, this is great. But they did it in the name of the Lord. And see, that gets out because our world doesn't believe Jesus loves you, this I know. Yeah, you repent, turn, or burn. They don't believe. Listen, that doesn't do anything anymore. Let them see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So... We have three tables out in the foyer. And these tables have a place for you to sign this, fill this out, and give it to one of our deacons. And then they will show you a table that has all the information about whatever place you choose. We're asking you to give one hour. Just one hour. In the month of December, in the name of Jesus, to the glory of God. Now I'm going to ask uh, one of our elders here, George, to come up and watch George just tell them. Do we? Is this mic hot? There we go.
0: Tell them just a couple of the things about it. Well, I'm excited about being a servant in Turning Point Church. I want you to be excited too. Uh, you should have seen that mayor open up to Pastor Jeff when he said, "We want to touch you guys." So out of that evolved this brochure, these ten major areas here. If you look through your brochure, everybody from the Burleson area, raise your hand real quick for Pastor Jeff. Whoa! Yay. This is a Burleson church. We're in Fort Worth. The great opportunities in Burleson. Uh, Just go through your brochure. The animal shelter, taking care of animals down there, greeting the public, helping clean in the facilities there. The senior center, going down there working with elderly, helping them play games, just sitting down talking to these people. As I was leaving after I briefed that lady on what we wanted to do, she said, do you have anybody that can just drive a van for us? I mean, there's all kinds of opportunities. The Pregnancy Aid Center. Pastor Jason read the the verse that about a child will lead them. He saw this thing, and he said, well, we're going to lead them. So he got this, got his youth, went to the Pregnancy Aid Center, Rachel's Hope, yesterday, and they already started serving, as Pastor Jeff said. So they're already leading us. we got opportunities for the police department. You can be in the administration, take pictures, maybe do ride-alongs. Uh, Things for explorers learning all about police uh, activities. You can, are you okay? If you're if a person is homebound and they want to be checked up on once a day, a computer will call their home. If they don't answer the phone, the police will dispatch a volunteer to check up on them and say, "Are you okay?" okay. So all kind of opportunities. Now, we do this in the name of Jesus as
1: a missionary out of this church. We send missionaries around the world. What about sending missionaries right here? And every one of you are a missionary. I want to quickly take a couple of minutes, that's all, and show you a video of our young people getting out there and ministering to the community. Watch this and watch what they've been doing. And we're going to do the same thing.
2: Look down from a broken sky, traced out by the city lights. My world from a mile high. Best seat in the house tonight. Touch down the cold black top. Hold on for the sudden stop. Breathing the familiar shock of confusion and chaos. All those people going somewhere. Why have I never cared? Give me your eyes for to- see everything that i keep missing give me your love for humanity give me your arms for the broken hearted the ones that are far beyond my reach give me your heart for the ones forgotten give me your eyes so i can see give me your eyes give me your eyes
1: A wonderful video. Thank you, young people. And uh, if you want to just fill this out, take it back there, feel free to do so. And come out of yourself and reach somebody. It will really pick you up at the same time. Now, I'm going to go to the back. And Frank, why don't you make your way up real quickly? Kathy-